Welcome to Houndsy, the Steel Army Podcast. I'm Dan Yost, and with me tonight to break down a uh, another win, going into the, the victory satchel for the Hounds, I got two good friends of mine. First off, we got Seth in the house. Seth, what's good, my man? Always fun to come on the pod after a W, so I'm excited to be here. Uh, just been, you know, hanging out, doing the summer stuff, playing a little bit of golf. Got out with Logan last weekend, going back out this weekend. Just guys being dudes, having fun, trying to, you know, find where our errant shots wind up and try to scramble for, like, double bogey. So that's what we do. Who's the better golfer double. between you two? Oh, Seth, 100%. Okay. Yeah. It, that's like he was going to be humble. That's why I had to. That's why I had to stop in. That's I why I had to chime in. I respect that. It's, it's, yeah, it's like uh, it's like talking about like Hartford and Loudon. That's I mean, actually a pretty like, fair analogy, to be honest with you. Yeah. So ne- ne- neither of you guys really making the cut, but one's clearly above the other. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. What's she doing this weekend, my Logan's man? Logan's a fraud. Uh, what did I do this weekend? Jeez, uh, trying to remember. Jeez, what did we do? I'm like completely blanking on this past weekend. All right, well, it wasn't that good then. It's really, we really just kind of, yeah, we just kind of like hung out. It was, uh, it's been a, we've had like two weekends before this were pretty busy, so it was kind of a get back to the house, hang out, let recharge the batteries a little bit. So, been travel a little bit more for work as we head into the busy season so the uh the the miles are adding up so i'm, I'm by the time friday afternoon hits i'm ready for the weekend and get some r&r in nice and uh also with us tonight you've already heard his voice once and you're gonna hear it some more logan what's good homie nah not much like seth said playing a lot of golf uh, which is, is good. Gets me out there and about, uh, we're playing this weekend too. uh, agreed to a Sunday morning, seven fifteen tea time. Uh, and then it hit me that I will, uh, be at the hounds game. That's very, that's very so, optimistic of you. Yeah. Yeah. So I might, uh, might be shaking off, uh, might, might be, uh, hitting the Gatorade pretty hard around, uh, five Sunday morning, uh, mm-hmm. in the Advil. So, yeah, well, we'll we'll have to see how that one goes. But goal is to to be out there. Seth turned me into a uh, a walker when I play golf instead of being a uh, piece of shit and taking the cart. So at one with nature. So I want to want to start walking now. So we're gonna try that on Sunday. So uh, that coupled with uh, might be uh, might be a little dehydrated. So we'll see how it goes. I'll report back. Where are you guys it's playing at? Fun because uh, somewhere in Beaver Falls area. It's always wow. great. These. Uh, yeah, Wampum. It's always great these like August early morning tea times because like ninety eight percent humidity. So it's just like you get to the first tea box and you're immediately just like already drenched in sweat because of the atmospheric elements. Yeah, I can uh, I can sympathize. I I did uh, Key West this past weekend, uh, a Thursday to Sunday thing, and the place we were staying at was five minutes or so walking just off the main drag, like the main party, you know, bar street in on Key West. So you get the shower and then that five minute walk, uh, no matter what time of day, if you started early or started late, it didn't matter, sun up, sun down, you were already 
fucking drenched by the time you got got to the bar. Um, so it was actually very nice to, to come back here and, and take a shower and not feel like a, like a sweaty asshole uh, 20 minutes after the shower. You got to be getting ready for uh, Pony League stuff here soon too, right? Uh, uh, that is going to be this weekend, and uh, I'll be at Broomfest. So uh, no, no Pony for oh, this year. You're not calling balls and strikes. Not on calling balls sports. and strikes for Pony this year. I did. I did the the tournament. Uh, the team that Johnstown, the like the qualifier that uh, the team from Johnstown won to get into it. I did that like a week or two ago. But yeah, I got, I wasn't, I was asked again this year, but I uh, had to take the pass. Here's a, here's a question for you. How come like really niche baseball tournaments like that, places like Johnstown are really good at, and, like, I always feel like American Legion ball. It's always like Sager town places like that. I don't get it. I, it's strange to me. I think they just, they, they pour their, they pour their time into make, you know, making those things a, a priority for them. Like we don't want Williamsport. We want, we want Washington. We want PA. Washington County. Washpa. Yeah, I don't know. Same thing, you know, uh, same with that Legion stuff. Wow, some of those small communities, I mean, they just, they prioritize it and make it, they, uh, they will it into being so. But yeah, that, John, that Johnstown team pretty much goes every year, I think. I mean that tournament that they had, uh, they were clearly the best team, and what? No, it wasn't even close. But now that we're into uh, youth baseball chat, instead of talking about the Hounds, we'll try to push uh, ourselves back into. Uh, hey, I didn't derail the conversation for once. I know, and I was I was waiting to see where you're going to take it. And you didn't do it at all. Welcome, welcome to Houndsy with Seth and Logan. Who knows what we could talk about tonight? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you what we won't talk about: the fucking Hounds. No, let's actually talk about the Hounds. Why not? Because the they're winners this past weekend, two nil at Indy at IUPUI with a big Jaguar head at the middle of the field. The Jaguars, the Jaguars. Yeah. Uh, before we get into the lineups, um, I'll just grab your guys' overall like overarching thoughts on on the game. Um, again, I think to me it was a very Get in, do a professional job, get the win, uh, get out of the Midwest, and go home. Seth, what uh, what are your general thoughts on the game? Road win. I'm pretty sure it was on, when I was on here, you know, two weeks ago, we were trash talking how poor the performances on the road have been. So a two nil victory on the road, where you had to play down a man for 37 minutes. That was quite refreshing. Um, I'm not going to completely like <clears throat> weight it too heavily in my emotional factor of what I think this team can do because I know on the other hand that Indy sucks and they're pretty much garbage. Like they're even to the point now where it's like they're like Brickyard Battalion or whatever the hell they're called. Like they don't even like tweet about the team anymore. They're just like they've given up. So it's like the. Uh, Poking it with a stick meme at this point, like. Well, they've got they've got that whole the supporter uh, club um, relationship is pretty pretty well fractured over there right now. They are they they are they are struggling on the field and off the field. So, good time to play those guys. 
Logan, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, same thing you guys reiterated. Um, somebody, I don't recognize his name. I don't know if he's new for Pittsburgh Soccer now or he just happened to be at Indy and caught some recorded interviews. I think he did Russ and Bob and maybe Danny Rivera or Danny Griffin, one of the two. I can't remember. Um, but they're on YouTube. Bob kind of uttered the same comments, uh, showed a lot of heart. Um, you know, you just want to, in a matchup like that, kind of a trap game, want to get in, get out, get your three points and showed a lot of heart playing down, down a man for 37 minutes. Um, so Bob kind of puts a lot of emphasis on that second goal early in the second half, um, put him in the driver's seat and definitely gave them the flexibility to play a little bit different, uh, down a man for 37 minutes when you're up two goals. And if you're up one goal, uh, so I definitely think that, that, uh, you know, they hunkered down and got, got three points and got out of I definitely um, the the goal no goal is definitely at I, I own all responsibility for that because I had completely into the group chat uh, typed up a message about how like we had been down a guy for 30 minutes and it felt like it was 11 v 11 kind of thing that like Indy just really hadn't done anything. And then that happened. Uh, so I, I take full responsibility for being the dumbass to, you know, utter manifest those words into existence. Uh, so that's on me. Um, luckily, thanks to the lack of goal line technology and VAR in the USL, we obviously, you know, escaped on that one. Uh, maybe a little revenge or the, the world setting itself right from the uh, 2000 hounds, not getting a goal in a similar situation, but uh, yeah. So we'll, uh, I'll, we'll circle back to the, to the no goal. Cause I, I have some summer thoughts as well. Uh, let's lead it off with uh, the lineup. Cause we were in rotation city this week in Indy. I don't know if anyone saw that coming. I certainly did not. Uh, you got uh, Yabera Sims coming in, uh, Rivera coming in. He's been mostly off the bench with and, and Dos Santos sitting down for the game. Uh, you had Dixon on the bench. You had Forbes on the bench. Uh, to a less interesting thing, but since we've been furiously tracking uh, the depth chart of our keepers. Worth noting that Vosvik was the backup keeper of this game and not not Silva. But with this rotation, I guess the question I would have for you guys, and I'm not sure how to answer it myself yet, and we'll start with you, Seth. Was this the right spot, result notwithstanding, was this the right spot to, to work that rotation in on the road at Indy? I think Bob saw the opportunity with a lesser opponent to – get some guys some time right off the jump rather than bringing them in later in the match. So uh, I, I really, I I think it was, uh, I think Bob knew what he was. He took the calculated risk as far as the opponent went. And I, I, you know, when you look at the schedule, there's really not much match uh, congestion. And until the end of this month, you don't get a mid-week match, so as as far as that goes, I think I think Bob was really probably looking ahead that you know with Memphis coming to town this weekend, it was probably the best opportunity he had over the next three weeks to 
get those guys some starting minutes. Logan, what uh, where do you fall on that? Because there is Memphis this week, so that's the biggest game in this this upcoming run. But then after that, you're you're home with uh, home with Sugar Free at Hotlanta, home against Charleston. So there's three other teams lower in the table than where Indy is. Uh, do you think this was this was picking the right spot for this rotation? Yeah, and I think Bob does a good job to kind of piggyback on what Seth said. I think Bob does a really good job of combining uh always putting out a team sheet that is never saturated to the point that he doesn't think that there's a cohesive talent on the field um always you know if he subtracts a guy and and, and adds in a, a reserve um the the blend that he has still has enough firepower to get the job done as we saw um you know taking you know basically almost a clean swap uh you know kenny for for putting bar in getting him in the midfield um, but still had, you know, Dequa and, and Russ up top, um, and even Alex Dixon sitting out, uh, as well. Um, you know, he still was able to, to feed the ball and that's where Robbie, I think comes in clutch where maybe without Robbie, they, they really aren't as strong, but, uh, Robbie's distribution in the midfield, you know, was able to kind of give Alex a break, which, uh, I'm sure is, is much needed. And, uh, I think Bob does a good job of, having situational awareness. And I think he knows that they're going to be 5,000 strong this weekend on Saturday. Um, you do not want to fall short. Um, you want to really impress those fans. Uh, we've historically dominated Memphis. I don't think we've ever actually even have drawn them. Right. I think we beat them every single time. Yeah. We are perfect um, against, uh, against the Memphis. I'll knock on my, on my desk here. Yeah. Uh, but, but I think he understands the, the situation. You're going to see the best 11 guys on that soccer team on the field uh, to start on Saturday night. And I think that this was just kind of a, a way to do that. Um, also, I think Bob Bob doesn't really think much of Indy uh, as well. So I don't think he was all that scared. Yeah, it's hard to think too much of, of Indy right now. They, Like I said, they're, they're just bad. There's no way to get around the fact that they're not bad. Yeah, they stink, uh, especially the, I don't know, what the dude's name is that they kept talking about. Tejada was one of them. I can't think of the other guy. Uh, dude that missed the sitter in the, the first half. That was, that was pretty brutal. And he, he just showed up from, because uh, he he's the kind of the golden boy. RGV. In, yeah. In, uh, no, no, in Tampa. Mm. He scored the. They have somebody from RGV, don't they, as well? Yeah, I can't. Just him up like last week. For blank on the name. Yeah, Tejada was the guy that they pulled from Tampa. He scored the, the game winner in the East uh, final last year off the bench. So he's a bit of a legend down there, and then he got shipped off to Indy to, to wither away. And not make the playoffs. Everybody goes to die. Hey, Midwest man, Midwest. Cicerone with a uh, with a brace. Uh, I must say, unsuredly, that I like the first goal a little more than the second. Even though the first yeah. was a, a bit of a defensive breakdown, it was Cicerone just timing his run to get past the defender in. Uh, Ends up being a bit of a simple finish, but the run he makes to break past a defender who did not do his best, uh, I still thought uh, was kind of the class of the two goals. Even though Rivera putting one off the off the woodwork was probably the would have been sexier than than both those goals combined. But Seth, any thoughts on the goals themselves? Anything you, you saw that stood out, um, either good for the Hounds or, or just again running down the theme, poor for Indy. <laughs> Poor for Indy. I, I love the fact, you know, Rust is really heating up of late. 
that's a great sign for matches to come, hopefully for a long postseason run. I mean, I think we were kind of scratching our heads for a little bit as far as like, was last year just a flash in the pan kind of thing with him or is he really what we saw last year? And I think he's really getting back to that caliber of where he was last year. So I'm, you know, anytime you can get a guy like that, a brace, it doesn't matter the opponent. It's good for morale. It's good for him going forward. You know, I'm, I'm hopefully that just keeps this momentum rolling with him. Logan, uh, Two goals from Cicerone. Is this the uh, him getting hot at the right time and carried into these last these final eleven? Yeah, I you know I really hope so. We kind of at the start of the season I harped on him, you know, being kind of a ice cold for the first you know eight or so games and uh, both you know this, like you said second one not as sexy as the first. First one was absolutely gorgeous, good run, absolutely beautiful execution. Had it you know far post, but second one you know more of a, a clinical finish, tapping it in. But two really good good runs to to get in that position. Um, you know I thought Dequa, uh, I thought he had a really bad game against Tulsa. I just thought he was kind of mentally not really all there. I thought he really struggled and thought he came out a little bit sluggish in India as well. So it was good to see that second goal. Uh, Dequa, you know, really bully in his defense and, and, you know, really, uh, you know, he was the, the reason for, for that goal. So I think, uh, the offense is starting to heat up a little bit. Um, you know, I think Russ is finally, I don't think he'll get what he had last year, 16 goals. I think it'll be a little bit tough to catch that. Um, uh, if he gets there, then this team's going to be hot as shit going into these last yeah. 10 games, 11 games. But, but he's, he's one of those guys that, you know, he's, he's clinical. Uh, he's fun to watch when he's hot. Um, so, well, you know, we're, we're in for some, some good, is it, I think it's Cicerone, I believe. I think, I think we need to ask him because he, Bob called him at the, the, the preseason thing, Cicerone. I don't think it's an E at the end. Um, so I'm going to start saying Cicerone and try to convince myself it's Cicerone, but yeah, Russ. I like how he's uh, been here he, for a year and three quarters and we're. Isn't that like such a Yinzer thing, though? Like we call him a name when we know it's not actually how you say his name. Uh, so, but he's yeah, never so. cared enough to correct us. No, no. I, I mean, it's probably been his whole life. He just has one of like those last names. Yeah. But like Travis Kelsey, Travis Kels, like all of a sudden. Is that actually a thing? Yeah, that was a thing last year. I did not know that. Interesting. Yeah. Low light of the game, uh, your Bears red card in the 54th minute. Uh, took off, took, grabbed the first yellow uh, right before the half in the 44th. Nine minutes in the second half, uh, receives a receives a ball. Uh, maybe a little strong to his feet, but the, his first touch is, is, it just bounces off like it's concrete, gets away from him to an attacking indie player, and he just reaches out, grabs the jersey, takes a second yellow. Uh so it's if it's a bad touch that leads to a bad decision that leads to a sending off. I I don't even know if you're sitting on a yellow. What you're sitting on a yellow, and hopefully you have enough presence to realize you still have two other defenders back there. It's not like the guy got the the ball freed freed to the to the goal. Uh, I just poor. Maybe it's nothing more than just chalking up as as a. Poor decision from a rookie, uh, but it was just it was uh, errors being compounded on top of each other, and it it puts the hounds down a man for the last third of the game. Uh, he kind of turned to the ref. 
he kind of turned to the ref like, I know what I did, don't do it. And the ref like already had the yellow out of the pocket. Well, I mean, if you're not if you're not and, booking that, then. Well, yeah, I mean, it was it was absolutely bookable, but it it was like one of those things where I'm also wondering like, did he maybe forget he was sitting on a yellow? And it was one of those just kind of like second nature, take the guy to ground to not give them a free run of play the other way situation. And then all of a sudden, as as he's watching the player fall to the ground, he's like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. This wasn't the right time for that one. Like it was a kind of saw him get put in a spin cycle himself there. Yeah, it's up to the guard defenders back there. I just it, it just poor decision making. Logan, what were your thoughts on on the red? I thought his first jack, or his first card was uh, just much more boneheaded than the second card. Uh, second card wasn't much better, but the first was was horrific. I want to say it was in stoppage time of the first half, or pretty close to it. It was it was um, marked now as the forty fourth minute on the score sheet, yeah. so just outside of it. So uh, I don't think they had that. You know, and he came out with the ball. I can't remember if it was off his turnover or not. Um, I it was. Part of me wants to think it was slowing it down, a tactical yellow, but I didn't think Andy was going to ever get anything from it. Um, and then he stepped like he was playing like U10 soccer at the Y zone, um, you know, poked at the ball, just a textbook obstruction yellow that every ref in every, you know, annal of the sport is going going to, going to give you a, a card for that. It was one of the, the more infuriating moments of the season for me to sit there and watch when it happened. It was very, very upsetting to see a professional soccer player take a card like that. That's just unexcusable. Yeah, the second one, I kind of agree with Seth. I think he maybe forgot he was on a yellow. Um, yeah, you, you pulled his shirt. I, at first, I did not see the shirt pull when I saw the camera angle from behind watching it live. I kind of caught it on the tail end and just kind of saw a little bit of contact from behind. And then I was like, oh, that is that is soft, especially for a guy in a yellow. And then, I mean, anytime you pull a shirt, you're, you're going to gonna get another yellow. And yeah, just a, a boneheaded move. Um, I mean, if Indy scores off off that second, it's 2-1 with, with 11 on 11, which is probably a better spot than 2 nothing down a man. So just a, a boneheaded move. But I think he'll learn from this. I was thinking today on my walk into work that – Ibarra is going to be one of those guys that just gets signed next year. Like they're going to bring back like the five, six guys that you could imagine they'll bring back. And then that one guy that, you know, like the Shane weed of this year, the guy that come back, I, I would love to put money on it is Mark Ibarra. Well, and that's the question I was going to get to next. How much of, how much or how far into the doghouse, if at all, does, is this put Ibarra at? Because again, was- that's not a thing Bob's going to be mad about. Something that you, the things that you think Bob gets mad about, it's the complete opposite. Things that you think that he would get mad about, he doesn't. Things that you don't think he'd get mad about, he gets pissed about. So something right here that you think any coach would be like, you'd be running sprints all day. I could see Bob having a reason to let this go or not make it a big deal. Seth, do you agree with that? You think this this is not going to be as as detrimental to Yabara's long term uh, minutes on this team? As, uh, as I'm thinking it might be? Obviously, the midfield is very congested at this point. I could I could see it going the opposite way where by, you know, middle of October, we're saying, Yabara who? Like, we might, it could be the kiss of death kind who the, of. Who the hell is Robbie Damrot? Yeah, exactly. Like, well, he's, he's shaking our hands in street clothes kind of situation. That's, so that is like the kiss of death. You come by the, the handshake line and you're wearing like 
American Eagle, that's like that is the telltale sign that it is over for you. Like you are not getting back back in the in the uniform. It's rough, man. It's, uh, if you're not hurt and, and you're and you're not dressed, yeah, you're you are in a, a bad spot. <sighs> Mark your bear. Hope hope it's uh, hope's not uh, hope's not the kiss of death that um, two of us think it might be. But what are the roles for that? Yes, to get. In- can he show up to the stadium on Saturday? Yeah, yeah, you can be there. You just can't be. Um, he's just not on the 18th, but he can be at the stadium. I don't. He can. I don't think he couldn't be. Um, he couldn't be on the bench. He can't sit on the bench. No, yeah, he could be. So up. he'll sit in the club. Yeah, he could be up in the yeah off off the field level. Uh, and then I think to me, even more than the goals after the the low point of the red was the commitment to to. Ten guys defending for a half hour or so. Uh, it was pointed out by a couple different people. The the only shot on on goal that Indy got after going up a man was the last kick of the game. Um, obviously there was that the the no goal that we'll get to here in a second. But uh, for as lax as the Hounds have been defensively throughout portions of this season, seeing what they could do when when really called upon it to, to defend as a, as a group and defend hard as a group and really shut down what is, as we've said, a, a, a poor indie side. Uh, to me, even more than two goals, that was the highlight of the game, was, was watching that team defend for a half hour and, and really not give an inch. Toby Sims like ran himself into the ground in like a matter of 15 minutes of going down the man. Like they just like, like everybody bought in. Like you said, it was it was ten guys, just everybody back behind the ball, and they just they they made it very tough for Indy to possess and to really get anything going in the offensive third. Of course, Indy wasn't really. I mean, Indy wasn't throwing anything spectacular at us by any means. But yeah, it was definitely very motivated defensive soccer for the last 37 minutes of that match. And if you check the, I checked the, the heat map on that second half after they were, went up a man, uh, everything they tried was basically to their left, the hounds, right. They never even attempted going down the right side to see if something could open up the other way. Being up a guy, they, they still played pretty you know, one option football in terms of how they want to get the ball into into the box or into the zone and do something with it. They, I just it was a total lack of creativity that I could tell about how they're going to try to capitalize on on being up a man. Um, for all the the you know platitudes that Mark Lowry got coming from El Paso and everything he did down there, I just I didn't see I didn't see anything special about what they were going to try to do to take advantage of being up a guy. You know your season's pretty much on the on the brink. You're you're down two, up one. You got a chance to at least claw back and get a point at home. And very uncreative uh, football, being up a man. Uh, Logan, what were your thoughts on those final thirty minutes? They stink. Those are my thoughts. There we um, Yeah, no, they had no no ambition, no drive. I thought it was kind of funny with the the goal that I didn't think there was a camera angle to one hundred percent say it went in the back of the net. Obviously biased, but. I thought it was funny that that the, the dudes were all over the referees and you know the handshake line. It's like I mean, 
you still would have lost. <laughs> you didn't really create any second chances uh, for a second goal if that would have would have got in. So you still still would have lost. But that was that was my takeaway. My final takeaway at Indy. The announcers uh, do you know been doing the indie games for a while. Uh, very good tandem. Um, really one of the, the not a high bar, um, but really good good announcing. At the first goal, um, when Russ just kind of came in and absolutely carved their defense apart. Uh, he said, uh, no indie defenders there are going to be covered in glory, which I thought was an excellent call. Uh, I really liked that one, but yeah, props to them. They were, they were pretty, pretty entertaining. The, uh, the, oh no, leading up to the second goal on that, that ball. <laughs> oh, I think I just listened to, I listened to that call a couple of times just cause I mean, he's absolutely correct. Just the, the moment of, of a little bit of dread and, and knowing what could very well happen in the next five seconds. Yeah, I, I, that oh no just by itself was fantastic. The dude was, you know, he was waiting all week to drop the the Keith Dam Rock coach LeBron James and say Vincent. The man was waiting all week to drop that. He loved that. That was his moment of the night. I mean, it's a, it's a fun little factoid. Why wouldn't if, if he got it in your back pocket? I, I I didn't I didn't know that. That was news to me. Oh okay. You know how like play-by-play guys have like their like player sheet in front of them and they have like the bullet points like Robbie Dambrotz is entirely about his dad's basketball <laughs> it's just like it's 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 five bullet points about where his dad's coached at so yeah it was uh you know they were he was waiting for he was waiting for Robbie to get the call up and sure enough he got it got a Pat McAfee reference it was an all in all it's a good day Hey, you got to – especially now you get the teams to come to town one uh, one time a year and you got to get everything – you know, get all the – get all the use out of uh, that visiting team as you can. I'm surprised he didn't he didn't sit on the, on the damn rot until he got a start to really fully uh, tell us all about Robbie's, uh, Robbie's dad. He, he had to get all – he kind of shot the load all in those, what, 10 minutes or so, so that he played. Hey, man, playing Pittsburgh. Yeah, but he's, he's sticking good, over there. Good, good I don't time. think you guys have uh, noticed on Twitter, but like Devin Kerr's essentially like crowdsourcing what he should like work into the match now. So, you know, next time we get any uh, indication that he's going to be on the call for a Hounds match, I think we just go and inundate his mentions with all kinds of goofy shit that we want to try to get him to say on air. That's fine. And I, I respect him for doing that when you're working that many games a, a weekend. Just why why do the research when you can just, yeah, pull it from the audience? Give the people what they want. He is, like, very active on Twitter during matches, too. It's always, an, it's like, he he's, he's multifaceted, for sure. Uh Back to the 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 no goal. I I'm I'm fairly certain that was that was across the line. That was a goal. Um, I am disappointed. There was clear separation. I am disappointed in indie fan. We we didn't get any tweets at us about about some form of getting lucky, getting a break, the refs favoring Pittsburgh. Blah 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 blah. I, we didn't get any of that. They are just those poor Dead bastards inside. are down and out. Yeah, they are. It's a real shame. It's a real shame. Uh, but as mentioned, that's basically just a. I don't. Even, everyone's saying that's a get even for for the twenty twenty no goal. But I that partially gets us back 
the no goal this weekend would have made it a 2-1 game with a couple minutes left. So they're down a goal up a man with a handful of minutes. So maybe they, they pull it out and, uh, and steal a point out of the game. The Hounds no goal would have put the Hounds in the lead with, I don't know, what was it, about 65 minutes left in that game. That that yeah, miss was way more critical than than the one. So the one this week, I would say it doesn't make it even. That it gets us most of the way back, but I I still feel uh, uh, in the the, the universe of USL uh, miss calls, I feel like we're still owed a little bit more to make it really even. But it it also like to like think about like the severity of the goal that we didn't get in 2020 is it would have completely diminished the Pasher 90th minute goal. So mm-hmm. that wouldn't have been like constantly brought up anytime Pittsburgh and Indy were mentioned within like the same 30 seconds. So we, we've had to like live this nightmare for the last two years because of that when it could have just been an equalizer. So yeah, USL, you you still owe us a little bit more. You got most of the way there, but we we need just a little bit more on the side, if you don't mind. We're still two points down out of that. Yeah, and I mean that twenty twenty season ended with us somehow somehow behind fucking Hartford. And if you're a sentimental guy, that uh, put an asterisk at twenty twenty, but that ended the high mark streak from. June, end of June 2018, Hounds never lost yep. until that night. Still owes USL, still owes. Uh, but moving on from that game, uh, looking at the table, the Hounds are sitting at 43 points. That is 18 points above the playoff line. Oh, that may have just changed because Miami Tulsa went final. No, it doesn't. Uh, that doesn't change that because Tulsa won that. So it just closes the gap between. No, no, it does change that. So it's going to make it uh, 15 points between the Hounds and the playoff line. Uh, two points behind Memphis, who the Hounds are playing this weekend. Two points ahead of Birmingham. At the top of the table, you got Louisville at 49 points, Tampa at 48. Uh, kind of a scattering of, of teams all around there. Uh, guys, 11 games left for the for the good guys. Realistically, what what range could they finish in in terms of places in the East? Uh, Logan, how high or how low do you think this team could finish? Low sixth. I think win the division. I was looking at it today. I mean, what's it? Louisville at 49, Tampa 48, Hounds at 43? Yes. So, so you're going yeah, anywhere from I, first to sixth. I mean, yeah. So basically, I, I would just say they can win the league and they cannot miss the playoffs, is what I would say. Seth, where are you at? Well, oh, geez, like, Logan's, like, basically saying, like, they're a soccer team or they're not a soccer team. Uh, I mean, I think I think high two, low four. I, I was looking at 538, and basically, like, there's a, like, a 62% chance they have us at to finish in third or fourth. Second falls down to like twelve percent. First is like three percent. So that three, three and four seems to be pretty heavy on favorite. But you, you don't you don't see a scenario where they're they're not at home for the first round of playoffs. Not really. 
the way they're playing now, absolutely not. No. All right. Yeah, I I'm going as high as two. I could see them slipping down to fifth. Uh, Birmingham is also getting getting a bit hot. Uh, again, the I guess the the big variable for me in all this is is the run of West Coast games to end this season. It just it to me it makes things so un, unpredictable about what the Hounds need, what those teams out West are gonna need, just cross conference play in general. Because um, the, the outside of another game with with Louisville and this game with with Memphis, the, the games remain with the East are all on the easier side of things. Um, but then you still have San Antonio and all that stuff out west. So I will I will go two to two to five as the range. Yeah, we're gonna need some table help. Like we're gonna need San Antonio to like have the one wrapped up in the West by that last match day and the Hounds to like not need something dramatic to happen to like clinch something like a home field. Well, it's exciting. We're, uh, I mean, we're only a couple weeks. We'll talk about when we get closer to that, but we're a couple weeks away from uh, roster freeze day. That means Millhouse gets taken out of deep storage and he's going to be there to help us, help us along the way, point out all the, uh, all the times we get some help around the league. Um, this is kind of a Millhousey weekend, though, because it's like it's like Team Chaos weekend. You get Loose City, Tampa Bay, us in Memphis, Birmingham plays uh, San Diego. There's a there's a lot of big marquee matchups this weekend. Other the this weekend can go very well across multiple results or go very poorly across multiple results. I think you're going to get a lot more clarity about where teams stand and where potential finishes are after Saturday. Again, with uh, obviously Pittsburgh and Memphis battle 3-4, Louisville and Tampa battle of 1-2. Um, to which I'll, let me ask that question right now. Right now. We'll just go, we'll jump straight to it. Louisville, Tampa. Do you want either side to win that, or do you want the draw? Draw. Logan, I'm thinking. I know. Snap it reactions, depends. guy. It just—you'll never get a snap reaction from me. Uh, it's just my brain, just like a monkey clashing symbols together. Um, I think it depends because how you guys are thinking. You're thinking that one of them's running away with the conference. Uh, both of you probably Louisville in your heads. So I don't know. Do we let Louisville run away with it? I mean, because theoretically that weekend's a second place Tampa. You know, it depends, I guess, on what scenario you want. Um, what I think will happen, I think Louisville wins. But I don't really know what what I want to happen. I guess I guess that that scenario to happen. I guess Louisville wins, pulls a little bit ahead, and you know we get a little bit closer to Tampa with a win. I see. I, I guess I go either way with it. the The jump from third to second is a lot bigger than the jump the second to first. Uh, you get in the second, and you're at least looking at at home games the first two rounds, uh, and then at that point, let let the cards fall where they may. Um, really, you know. So there might be something to say for have a team run away with it and have a better chance at, at slipping in the second, as opposed to those guys. Uh, 
keeping some distance between third and fourth. Hmm. But we will have it'd to obviously see. be really nice if it'd obviously be very nice if we can get a San Diego beat Birmingham. Don't let them pick up any points on us. And then, and now you put a little bit more of a gap between us and Birmingham. Get that to five points. Detroit. I can't remember who even Detroit's playing this week. Oh, they're they're playing um, the Roots. Yeah, and they've got their own little issues over there in Oakland right now. Um, that's kind of a like. Well, not kind of. It is a, a Nisa reunion battle. That should be kind of fun. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be a damn good Saturday of uh, of USL soccer. Gonna be like the Paul Rudd meme. Who would have thought? Both of us. Not us. Yeah. Uh, jumping into USL news type things. Um, if you are fairly new to lower league soccer, the USL, whatever, uh, you've you've probably never heard the the expression of, of the soccer wars. That's kind of the catch-all phrase. To, uh, here in the United States, because U.S. soccer doesn't do anything to, to actually facilitate the leagues working in tandem or doing any sort of actual management of, of how the leagues operate. So the leagues uh, are there to fend for themselves, which means being in, in, in competition with one another. Uh, so anytime that there's a, a conflict between leagues, it gets labeled part of the soccer wars, and and the, the soccer wars are certainly heating up uh, now between USL and MLS. Uh, if you had not been paying attention or, or you're wise and stay off of social media. Uh, last week, it came out that the city of Irvine's uh, agenda, and Irvine is where Orange County plays, uh, for their meeting for yesterday included two proposals for the future of their city-owned soccer stadium. Uh, and that is where Orange County plays. They've been there for five years. Their five-year lease is coming up at the end of the season. And so now they're looking to see what the, the future uh, tenants for that place uh, will, will be. Uh, one plan was to essentially keep things as it is with uh, updated rental amounts. And then Orange County and Nisa's Cal United Strikers will still be using the facility. And then the other proposal, which kind of came out of nowhere, at least publicly, was for LA Galaxy 2 to have ex- exclusive use of the stadium. And they would just be cutting a check to the city to cover any lost revenue by taking... Uh, exclusive use of the stadium uh and then prior to yesterday's meeting that item came off the agenda and then la galaxy because they got dragged through the mud on friday and over the weekend issued a statement saying that they were actually not looking for an exclusive use agreement with with irvine even though that's what was on the uh the city council meeting agenda uh and then at yesterday's meeting uh 30 or 30 or so people came out to speak on behalf of orange county uh, it was revealed by the city's business manager that the agenda item was pulled in part because there is some litigation or potential litigation between USL and MLS, and then also between, potentially between Orange County and the LA Galaxy. Um, guys, this, this might be the, the next front uh, in the soccer wars. Is MLS looking at some of the cities and towns, the place they're... MLS two teams, you know, the MLS Next Pro, uh, third division teams, uh, in places that USL is already had an eye at or or currently have teams in between the championship and League One. Um, a couple other cities to keep keep in mind here. 
is that Birmingham uh, appears to be a battleground between USL and MLS. And then Spokane uh, in Washington is also a place where there was competing proposals about a new stadium, uh, one for a USL side and one for an MLS uh, next pro side. Uh, guys, and I'll start with you, Logan. The soccer war is heating up between USL and MLS. Uh, put on the, uh, or not put on anything on, just uh, bust out the, the magic, the magic ball, gaze into it. What, what do you see the future being here between uh, USL and MLS uh, relationships? There will be no relationship. MLS will possibly take over any market that they want, and that, and then they will suck the any if there is a is a USL franchise in the city that they want, the market that they want, they will. Uh, suck it dry until it cannot survive on its own anymore. Um, and it's unfortunate and it sucks, um, but it's just, it's going to happen and they'll take over any, any market, like I said, any market they want. Um, even Pittsburgh, I, I, you know, it, we talk to our blue in the face about, you know, oh, come out, enjoy the hounds, come have a beer. You'll like it. Like the steel army. And, and people will always say like, oh, you know, it's it's not professional, you know, even though it is. And, you know, they'll give you every excuse in the book. And those guys are going to be the same exact ones that, you know, if, big if, they ever announce MLS to Pittsburgh, they're going to be the first in line. Um, just because it's it's the, the air quotes cool thing to do. Um, look at Charlotte. I mean, I could imagine Charlotte going kind of similar to Pittsburgh, you know. Uh, didn't draw any sort of crowd <laughs> for, for the independence. And now, you know, they're absolutely insane for, for Charlotte FC. So I think it will be a hostile takeover of any market um, that they want. But, but can that still operate in the, in the USL and MLS next pro sphere? Um, it's going to be hard for the C's to compete against MLS D one, but you know, if they're trying to put a D three team in town, um, you know, where these, these, Second division teams are getting, you know, attendance well under 750 people a game. Is 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 it going to be that easy for them to convince, you know, city councils and mayors and all that kind of stuff to to build them a stadium? I think I think it gets a lot harder when it's it's division three. Um, in that case, yeah, I think USL wins easily, um, but. As far as as you know, D one, um, I don't think there's going to be any sort of competition between MLS and USL. But yeah, it heats up. Obviously, when you, when you start talking about that uh, MLS Next Pro, I just think it's a it's a flawed system from a fan perspective. Um, just because I, I don't think there's many people out there that want to go see a, a two a two team play. Uh, <laughs> You know, I think they'd much rather go see an independent USL team play their hometown team than, than go see. You know, if we had if we had if we had Columbus Crew two here instead of the Hounds, I don't think I would would go out all that all that much to, to watch them. Um, so I think think the USL does have the the leg up in, in that competition. Seth, where do you see the soccer wars going between MLS and, and USL on the 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 sub D one level? As much as I hate to say it, I think just based on like the capital and resources the MLS has to throw at these cities, it's going to be really hard for city councils to turn down like probably guaranteed money that's coming in. Whereas you're going to have these more USL NISA type organizations that are more 
looking for organic growth within the community to build a fan base, build a culture, try to make it like a, a real community effort uh, to build something. So I, I, as much as I hope it works out for the USL, uh, it just, I, I really don't think the cards are stacked in their favor on this one. Yeah, I mean, this is all going to be long-term stuff. Um, this stuff has been going on behind the scenes for a while uh, between USL and MLS. This is the first real big kind of public spat between the two sides. Uh, so it's it, if you are a fan of the Hounds slash the USL, it's definitely something you're going to want to keep in, in the back of your mind as USL tries to, to grow out uh, the rest of, of the championship, and then probably where I think it's going to become a, a bigger issue is in the the League One uh, D3 markets, because now you're looking at more direct competition with MLS Next Pro in, in terms of size of stadia, uh, in terms of kind of what size market they think uh, a team could be successful at uh, in, the, in the third division. Um, but yeah, um, Everything was kind of humming on nicely, and this this kind of came out of nowhere last late last week. Uh, and a lot of Galaxy fans were even kind of riding their own uh, their own team for you know what the hell are you doing talking about you know supporting local soccer, and then you're trying to essentially uh, ice out uh, not one but two other teams in Irvine uh, just so your your reserve team can can have their own stadium to play at. Um, and it also kind of it also kind of sucks because like the list of demands that like went public as far or not demands but like kind of like the requirements of like what both were looking for there wasn't really a lot of room for compromise to like have kind of this like coexist model where you could possibly have I, I know with the Orange County they're teamed up with someone else i'm blanking on who it is i think it's a nisa team yeah cal united where they're where they're they're trying to you know bring along another team and, and it's like as far as like the pitch requirements and things like that go like the amount of days they want the field available things like that like they really make it tough to have kind of like this hybrid model where everybody essentially gets a, a piece of the pie so I, I think that i think that also really sucks that they're putting so much into this MLS Next Pro model. Yeah, just something to keep in mind. Uh, we will we'll keep our eyes on on this. Um, again, you'll probably hear more in the in the off seasons as uh, cities start um, game proposals from from one or both leagues about about putting teams in there and then. Uh, how much public money each side wants to? Because again, no one actually wants to build their own stadium. They want the the city or town to build it for them. But so we'll see where it, uh, where that takes us. Uh, but it is time finally, as we're getting close to uh, easing in on, on over fifty minutes into the podcast. It is everyone's favorite segment of the show: the Wednesday USL lower league betting extravaganza. Um, Logan, what do you got for for this uh, for this fine Wednesday afternoon, evening, night? Let me pull it up here. Pull it up here. We'll run through them. Okay. 
All right, kicking us off is Mr. Stevie Storino at uh, two units of the loyal to score first. I could not find that at any any sports book. Uh, one one unit on San Antonio to get three points. All righty. Yik Yak, he is under three and a half in the San Antonio game at minus 110, two units, and he's going to take Monterey on an Asian line plus a half a goal at plus 185 for a half unit. Mr. Thompson is taking the spread. He's going to take San Antonio minus one and a half at minus 175, one unit, and he's going to take San Diego clean sheet, two units at plus 135. Vesti is taking San Diego versus Monterey. Under three and a half goals, one unit at minus 160. And San Antonio, both teams to score no, one unit at minus 125. And that's already a loser. That is already a loser. It's 1-1 at halftime. All right. Well, I'm changing my (laughs) note. My first bet, as I read, is San Antonio Loudon. (laughs) Teams to score no, minus 117. Wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. San Diego Monterey under two and a half at plus one fifty and a halftime draw at plus one fifty five one unit each and Mr. Yost, it is now back to you. Yeah, I was looking at and I've saw a couple of different numbers. Uh, I am taking San Diego uh, just straight to win, taking all three points on Monterey. And I lost the number in front of me what, where that was at. Uh, I did have a number, but I'm not going to slow it on the show to look it up again. But the uh, uh, San Diego take care of business against Monterey. Two units, if you don't mind. So, uh, from there, we're going into this Saturday's game. Hounds hosting uh, Memphis area code FC pinball machine looking logo. Shit on the Memphis, all that good stuff. Uh, the guys that play the baseball field, they are 14 5 and 3, 3 1 1 in the past five games. Uh, the scoring basically all comes through Phil Goodrum leading the club with 13 goals. Uh, Malloy and Kelly each with five after that, so a bit of a drop-off there. Uh, kind of the thing that stood out to me was going through some stats. They, they've already racked up five red cards this year, um, including, as you might remember, Graham Smith taking two yellows into a red uh, in that season opener against the Hounds where they lost 3-0 to the good guys. They are a team of high productivity on both sides of the ball uh, third most shots uh, on goal in the league on average they are conceding uh, the fifth most goals uh, but they're also on average scoring the fifth most most goals in the league uh, so they are scoring a lot they are conceding a lot not a lot of uh, stifling midfield play when you face Memphis however and this is what I think could be very important they are averaging over a goal per match more at home than they are on the road, but they also concede less on the road. So they like to open it up down at uh, AutoZone Park, I think it is. But then when they're on the road, they're playing a much more conservative game. Uh, Kind of the classic play for the the win at home, play for the draws on the road. Um, Guys, they're they're a, a good team. They've had a little bit of struggles. In the past two months, kind of like the Hounds did back in June, but they've, for the most part, righted the ship. Um, uh, Seth, what um, what do you have your eyes on for Saturday? I'm, I'm excited to see our midfield three 
go up against an actual like quality opponent. I'm really, I'm really intrigued to see how this works with the Robbie, Danny, Kenny. It's kind of weird. I've got a midfield. All three guys go by a name that ends in an E sound. Uh, see how they work together. I think probably Robbie kind of sits a little bit higher uh, in as more of a, I guess, a traditional 10 kind of role. Um, I, I think, you know, that mid three, like all three of those guys are just absolute dogs and just go after loose balls nonstop. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what they can produce. Logan, give the people something to have their eyes on uh, besides their beers on Saturday. <laughs> um, two really good teams. Um, you know, I think it'll be a, a really quick back and forth. Hounds hitting hitting a, a perfect stride at the perfect time. Uh, really good weather. Looks like it's going to stay pretty pretty chill, chilly. Um, maybe you know sub eighty degrees, which for August is, is pretty perfect. Um, you know, 5,000 strong, come on down. Uh, let's make it rowdy. And, uh, Russ was on one of those little videos they do during the week and talked about how big the, uh, the crowd really is for them and, and, you know, what a a pump up it is to play in front of a full house. So come on down, make it rowdy. And, uh, we're going to definitely, definitely have some fun. Yeah. It looks like the grandstand is well in the way of being sold out already. Um, I know it looks like the supporters sections are about half sold. And now they're, they're doing, well, like $10 tickets or something like that is, you know, quote unquote, a flash, flash sale. sale. Yeah. Flash sale. Um, so yeah, hopefully another 5,000 strong in the, uh, in the, in the house, in the, in the old high mark on Saturday. Uh, Seth, I think I was cutting your, cutting you off. Uh, you had something else to, to share with the class. No, I was just saying, I was like, you know, everybody's making fun of uh, Russell Wilson with the Broncos country. Let's ride. I, I was, you know, the, the hounds needed to get like Russ to say in that video, you know, hounds country, let's ride something like that. You know, <laughs> go, go through that whole spiel. Give the people what they want. Is that what the people want? I guess it's huge on TikTok. Okay. I, I don't have the TikTok, so I'll take your word for it. You didn't. You don't seem like a TikTok person, Seth. No way. Actually, take care of that. You, you you seem exactly like a TikTok person. Yeah. Uh, I was I was one of those people that fought it for a very long time, and after like the fifty thousandth video that my wife sent me, that I had to like put you know hit the button that I didn't want to download it. I finally downloaded it, and now I spend way too much of my free time on it. So here we are. All right, I I have successfully avoided the, the TikTok so far. Um, Logan, I, you, you've got it right. You're on that. No, same exact thing. Same exact thing as that. I get sent about ten a day, but I have fought, fought, uh, fought tooth and nail to stay off of it. Hmm. Logan sends me like recipes and things like that. Like, yeah, mostly cuddling positions. Wait, what, what are we talking about? <sighs> so yeah, Memphis, uh, come to town. Uh, hashtag shit on the Memphis. Stormy news. Logan, you're taking this section. What do you got for the kids? 
Steel Army News, we're going to do a school supply drive this Saturday. A little bit late on the announcement, but anything you have, uh, want to stop by the store. Uh, nothing huge, just going to try to to donate some stuff for the kiddos, uh, kind of the back to back to school season. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of families fret about that. So, uh, just want to kind of see, uh, you know, with the big crowd, um, this is all 100% steel army, not with the, the team at all. Um, you know, we'll have the party time flag. We'll have Josh and Liz's, uh, yellow Honda, uh, kind of main base of the tailgate. We'll have a big box, uh, come on, drop some, some school supplies off. We'll be blasting out a, uh, a graphic on the socials here in the next uh, 12 hours or so. Um, basically, you know, what you can donate, you know, what, what they're looking for, uh, crayons, markers, pencils, all that, all that good jazz. So, uh, if you can, uh, you know, stop by the store before on your way down, grab some stuff, uh, greatly appreciated. And we'll, uh, we'll get it to those who need it. Um, that's happening on Saturday. Uh, next Saturday, uh, we're going to work on a, uh, drive for the, uh, for animal rescue, more information to come on that. I don't have a lot at the moment. We're working on that. And that will be with the, with the team themselves, um, kind of outside of the, the Steel Army. Loudon, Labor Day weekend. It's a Sunday evening, I think. It's like 5 o'clock, isn't it? Um, we're not taking a bus. We are going to carpool. If you need a ride, if you want to come down, uh, let you know. Let us know. We'll, we'll find you a ride. We'll probably have a sign-up here. Floating here in a, a week or two. Uh, Loudon's a great trip. Um, I know they take a lot of shit for not having running water, which I think they've fixed at this point. Where on the street is, uh, is they got that fixed? Yeah, so uh, I I enjoyed Sager the one time I went. Uh, I thought it was actually, <laughs> uh, for what it was, I thought it was a pretty decent stadium. Really nice craft beer list. Uh, super easy to get in and out of. It was a beautiful night. Of course, Hounds won, so that kind of changes the perspective. Um, but I really enjoyed enjoyed the one time I went down there. Hopefully, I'm going to try to make it back down. Um, but like I said, if you're you're interested, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be doing it in in the same night. It's only about a four hour drive, so uh, you know, get in contact with us. Let somebody know at the tailgate. Hit us up in Discord, um, anything like that, and we'll we'll get you down to to Leesburg. I think that's that's all we have in the way of Steel Army news. Yeah, Je- I think Jesse's working on on a link for tickets. So yeah, we'll- Jesse's working on a link. He, he's he's contacted the guy. He told me the section two Saturdays ago at the game. Um, I'm sure he probably has it by now, but yeah, we'll we'll be also with the the sign up for rides in a week or two. We'll uh, we'll be throwing out the ticket link as well, so we can all sit in the same section. I mean, as if you can just buy a ticket anywhere in there and just go walk. Yeah, around yeah, you'll 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 we'll, we'll be <laughs> plenty you'll of be seats available everywhere. And even Jesse may not try to get in a fight with the uh, with the academy kids out there. That'd be kind of sweet. And we may not try to get in a fight with Robbie Mercer's grandma. Who knows? We yeah. could be round two. We don't. We don't know. I, I mean, hey, she'll, she'll be there again. So we didn't even think she'd be there until a couple weeks ago. So Options are wide open. You never know where yeah, the exactly. night takes you on a on a holiday weekend to boot. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You have everybody has Remember Monday that? off. Well, not everybody, but some people do. So come on down. Yeah. Just uh, you can make the drive back hungover on Labor Day. And it's, it's probably like an insulated. It's probably how my days go. Get a nice continental breakfast and make your way back through southeastern Pennsylvania. Yeah, Peter and I did it. What was that? 2020. 2020, um, yeah. And it was probably the least I've ever drank at a professional sporting event. Uh, Peter still drove my car to and from as the DD. Uh, but we woke up. We had a hotel and cannot think of the name of the city next to it. Uh, woke up like 7 a.m., checked out. I felt fantastic, was not hungover, and we were back before the, uh, before the Steelers game. So, it was a beautiful thing. Nice. So, if you want to do, if you want to go out and back that day, if you want to spend the night, there's going to be options. It's going to be, uh, 
it's gonna be good times. And I have uh, on on good authority from from the source itself, we will probably have a a, a Mister Bet the USL Tim Lawson in attendance that day. Um, he lives out there, so he said he's probably gonna swing by the game. And he's also planning on joining us on the podcast next week because that'll put us at ten games out to the end of the season. So we're gonna have a little kind of look around the um, look around the league with with him there with ten games to go. Uh, so something to look forward to on that front. And then we also have a couple other uh, couple other guests we're trying to get lined up. Um, uh, the Stu Army UK representative Fez is is we're trying to work on a date that we can uh, get him on the show. You know, with the time difference and everything like that, it's a little difficult to to record at uh, the hour that we normally do. But uh, we're working on on a fez, and we've got maybe a couple other tricks uh, up our sleeve going into the the last stretch of games here. So it's going to be good times, gentlemen. Uh, just eking over the hour mark here. Uh, what are your final thoughts uh, on the show? Slash, uh, what did you learn tonight, Seth? What do you got? Uh, I learned that if I go to Loudon, I can get a nice IPA selection. So, thanks it, for that little tidbit. Logan. It was it was a nice little like local craft beer uh, variety pack they had going on there. It was nice. You know that's that's it. That's nice. Like I like going out to. Well, I haven't been to the new stadium, but I like going out to the Columbus Crew because they always had good amount of local craft brews around the stadium that you could kind of just uh, sample sample your way through. I, when I was there, last time I was there was for the U.S. game. I was already pretty hammered by the time I got there, so I don't remember what the beer selection was there. I think I just drank whatever was handed to me. But yeah, I got friends I can Sounds I about find right. out. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, when you go out with a with an air in pockets and you you get there. Oh yeah. Yeah, we did our thing. It was a good time. Say no more. Yeah, Logan, what'd you learn? I learned a lot. I'm just gonna put it at that. There we go. That's all I got. That's, That's all good. I got for you. It's good to learn a lot. Every day you should try to learn if as you, much again. If you had to guess, what what breed of dog is Scooby Doo? He's a he's a um uh, uh he's a a, a a Dane, right? Yes, he is. Very good. Yeah. Why, why did that pop in your brain? I have no idea. Like I said, it's just a monkey clashing symbols. Okay, I I I, I didn't know if you were asking because you didn't know the answer or because you just thought like this was more open ended. No, critical thinking skills. I think this is very open ended. Okay. I just use this as kind of a mind dump. Got it. Take take your melatonin. Start to wind down. Oh, I'll take something a little bit stronger than melatonin. Seth, does he does does he do this on the uh, on the golf course too? Like somewhere on on the oh, turn? God, yeah. No, it's typically like hole six. It's just like we'll be standing on a tee box and Logan will just be like, do you know Campbell's tomato soup was first produced in 19... <laughs> I'm just like... I don't know if he's... I, don't, I can never tell if it's like a ploy to like mess with my game further or if he's like really trying to just like educate me as a friend. So it leaves me in a glass case of emotion. When when you start your your backswing, do you breathe in or do you breathe out? Ah, oh, oh, I'm, I'm using that one next God. time. You know, uh, you know, I've had that used against me by our good friend Mike Whalen and, at, and at the, the at the darts. darts. Yes. Yeah, and uh, 
that's there's nothing more that can put somebody with a fragile psyche like me on edge than getting up there and thinking well do i breathe in or do i breathe out like you just that's just that's doomsday all over it was a, it was a total bastard move by him that night and i loved it that was yeah i still won though you did although i don't think you may have won but did anyone really win that night Seth ended his uh, no. this darts game on New Year's Eve uh, shirtless, so j- just for everyone. Surprisingly, yeah. He ends most bar scores shirtless. It's weird. <laughs> we were in a bar. It was New Year's Eve. We were playing darts, and at some point, uh, he he lost his shirt. And then I wound up with pink eye. And on that note, we'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network for providing the online hosting to Houndsy. Check out the wealth of soccer content being produced weekly at bgn.fm. The Houndsy theme music was composed and performed by Rocketman and the Space Babies. Check them out at facebook.com slash spacebabiespgh. The show is produced by Joe Majorak. Email the show at stewarmypgh at gmail.com and put podcasts in the subject line. All complaints about the show can be sent to nick.noble at mail.wvu.edu. I think you might get a couple after this week. On behalf of Seth and Logan, I'm Dan Yost. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back again soon.